Because sometimes people are going to come in hungry and then want to go shopping, right? Sometimes people are going to want to knock out two things because maybe mom and dad want to go shopping, but the kids are hungry. How do we get everyone out of the house? What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Campfire Capitalism. I am your host, Desmond Dixon, and I'm a sales mentor, international speaker, building sales teams while I travel the world. And today we have a awesome guest, a fun guest, just landed back from Mexico City into New York City. Boom, boom, boom. Vinay, welcome to the show, bro. Hey, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning in, too. I appreciate everyone tuning in and and listening to this chat. It's going to be awesome or it's going to be fire. Heck yeah, fire at the campfire. Hopefully the fire doesn't get too wild because, you know, we don't want to call in the smoke jumpers, right? Um, nah, and I'll keep the puns <laughs> to a minimum. Sweet. But yo, let me let me, let me me introduce you properly, right? Formally, slightly, our only formal part of the podcast, just so the audience can understand who you are, so we can just jump right into the magic. So 10 years ago, uh, Vinay uh, left his corporate job to learn more about how businesses can grow by uplifting the lives of their customers. He crisscrossed the world, drew insight from large corporations, far-flung markets, mountain Sherpas, and street vendors. These experiences inspired a unique approach to customer experience that he then put to the test as an entrepreneur in Cusco, Peru. These days, Vinay helps businesses grow by crafting experiences that can rock their customer's world. Dude, the long art, lost art of customer experience. I think people don't realize how important it is that your customers are having an amazing experience so that they then share it to other people, like have that word of mouth effect and, and that retention retain and, and, and retainer. So, um, dude, so just let's, let's dive into the fun part first, man, which is I'm pretty curious because last time we talked, I was in Vietnam, you're in Mexico. Now we're both in two different countries again on the next chat. So talk to me about like your journeys around the world and like what are some of the places you visited and what were some of your, your probably most fond memories you think? Wow, that's, that's, that's an awesome question. So you have tons of, yeah, there's tons of ways to take that question and sort of start, right? Because of course I kind of want to talk about that customer experience angle and where that really came from. So years ago, and I think that's probably a good way to jump into all the, like the journeys and the international side that, that we kind of, um, you know, both bring into this. So years ago, I left the corporate world and my whole thing was this. There was one thing I was searching for, right? At a personal, well, at a prof- personal level and at a professional level. At a personal level, it wasn't full on eat, love, pray, but it was, hey man, like before you get too old and before, you know, things get too rigid, what do you want to do, where and with whom? You know, what kind of people do you want to jive with? What kind of projects do you want to be working on? If you want to be goat herd in Mongolia, go. But um you know, at least don't have that regret. So worst case scenario, the office job is always there waiting for you. And then at the professional side of things, that's where things became really exciting. Because for me, it was, well, hey, how can we grow a business by connecting at a human level? And when you talk about connecting at a human level, that's not something you learn in school. I mean, not firsthand, at least, right? So you can go to school and study something like sociology, but not necessarily in the business context. You can go to school and study something like psychology or communication or marketing, all this other stuff. But again, it doesn't really hit the nail on the head because I think if you're going to really study human communication, the best way to do it is to communicate with humans, right? And, and that's really what inspired the trip. So I said, look, instead of a master's degree, 
let me go backpacking for, well, it started off as one year. It finished with about three and a half. And it was, you know, as, as travels often do, right? And it was, hey, let me just get out there and see how the world connects. How do businesses, people, companies, organizations, whatever it might be, connect with one another, uplift each other, but not in a kumbaya way necessarily, but also more of a capitalistic way. So how can how can you just really connect with one another at that deeper level at their needs, desires, all that good stuff? And that's kind of what inspired it. But you were asking about where. And so for me, this first started off, the very first part of the trip was actually the World Cup in South Africa. So we're talking 2010 now at this point. And brother, that was a trip because I'm not sure that there's any one. Yeah, you're shaking your head like yes and no and nodding up and down and you get it, man. Because I don't know that there's one event anywhere in the world where the whole world comes together and celebrates who they are and their own twist on something so global as what we call soccer, right? As the World Cup. And that was incredible to see because it's it's South it's South Africa coming together at all different levels and all different sort of mini worlds within there, right? Which is really neat. So it's like different cities, different cultures, different socioeconomic classes, all of this stuff coming together just to celebrate out of pure joy, right? And you connect with one another because if someone's team has just won, you're celebrating in the streets. If, if someone's team well, eventually loses, right? For most of us, it's, it's like you share that sorrow, but it's folks coming together. No BS, just connect. And man, that felt really good. So then after that, the next big event for me was actually Oktoberfest in Munich. And I think this was the, the bicentennial or 200 or 300 years, but it was a big event for them, right? And what was great about this back in 2010 was whereas the World Cup is how everyone comes together to share their spin on a sport. Oktoberfest is, hey, you're coming to see how Germans and really Bavarians celebrate, right? And it's, again, welcome into our celebration. And, you know, having a couple of drinks, having food, of course, Germans, right? Food that's engineered for drinking and allowed you to just keep going for hours and hours and hours. It was incredible. And it's something as simple as I had no idea Germans were obsessed with John Denver. And so, you know, you're you're deep into Oktoberfest and you can't tell if it's the drinks, if it's the food, if it's the revelry, or if everyone around you, thousands of people, are literally kind of like just locked in arms, standing on top of picnic tables and singing Country Roads, Take Me Home, right? <laughs> um, or Take Me Home, Country Roads, rather. And like, you know, that was incredible. But for me, that was where the fun just kind of started to pick up because these were two big events. And I think the real magic happens in the details. So after that, I spent a couple of years, I spent about a year and a half or so in Asia. And, and that was, let's see, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Nepal, India, and crisscrossing all different parts of these countries, right? That's what's cool is, is you see how everyone connects, but again, we're at all different levels. And, and that's what's neat. From there, it was like Indonesia, caught a baseball game in Japan on like a long layover. That, that was a crazy experience. To again, see how something like baseball is, is a form of connection, but just a form of fun halfway around the world, right? And that's completely different to the baseball game watch and experience in the US. And then after that, I spent some time in South America. So South America was neat. That was, well, I guess, before in between was the American Southwest, which, which was neat. But then after that was South America. So that was what, um, Colombia, Peru, Bolivia, I'm trying to think what else now, Argentina, and then, yeah, of course, Uruguay, Ecuador, uh, not Ecuador, um, Brazil. And yeah, no, some pretty amazing stuff down there. That was the, in Chile, of course. So that, that was really neat. And at the end of it, that was where I said, hey, look, I want to keep learning Spanish. I want to really take all this learning and put it 
to the test and see if, hey, can this actually be used to drive a successful growth strategy for a business? And the best place for me to do that was in Peru, sort of at the gateway to Machu Picchu. And, and the idea there was, hey, everyone's coming down to be a tourist and to see a site. Well, can we help them get into the local culture? Can we help these two worlds connect and overlap, sort of position our, ourselves as the, as the go-between and, and help tourists become travelers by connecting with the local culture, with the local people and with themselves, right? But just through doing some really fun food and drink experiences. So, sorry, man, that's a mouthful, brother. But um, yeah, that's 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 a crash course into why I travel and, and a bit of where I went to. Man, yeah, like why you're like I love talking to other travelers because you think it's like you know a, not a lot, but you really you, when you talk to other people who have other experiences, you're like, wow, mm -hmm. that there's so much more to this. Like the world is such a big place, like. I didn't even think about the World Cup or these experiences that you can go to. And I think that that by itself, it's its own form of travel where you just like travel to events like major, you know, once in a lifetime events, right? Or once in every four years, five years events, right? Um, so that was that was pretty cool, man. So let's talk about this a little bit about you bridging these two worlds, because I know that you're deep into like customer experience and, you know, um, just to like let the audience know here, like. Customer experience is so deep and like I'm a sales guy and customer experiences makes your sales team better. It makes your marketing better, right? Like it's so critical in your business function. Like it's the thing that can catalyze either your rapid growth or your rapid decline. Because if you don't have a good customer experiences, they churn, they leave, they never renew. And we all know in sales, it's way easier to collect money from someone who's already given you money than to find someone who's not giving you money at all, a complete stranger. So like, let's talk about this customer experience, right? Because like, you seem like you've been to all these different events, you've been around the world, um, which is pretty sick, man. So like, what, like, what is customer experience to you? Like, what is it, like, how would you communicate it to an entrepreneur who's like, how can they like, you know, go from, you know, X revenue to Y, y revenue? Like, what are some things that they should be thinking about in terms of customer experience? And like, what are some things that you've learned in your trips and in your first company as an entrepreneur that kind of fueled this fire around customer experience? Just kind of unpack it for us a little bit. Cool. Yeah. So there's an element of that that I think is you've got to thrill your audience's world. You have to thrill your customer's world. Right. And I look at it as a human thing and I go, OK, I've got someone who's invested not just their money, but their time, their energy, their effort, their their hope, their dreams, all of that in me. And for, and I think this is, man, this is where I, I just really take off a lot of people sometimes and my friends, because for me, everyone's a customer, right? Whether it's our listeners right now, because what they're paying with in a way is their interest, their time, their opportunity cost. If, if, you know, if I'm dating someone, I look at it the same way, not to say that, you know, a girlfriend's a customer, but at a certain, you know, side of things, it is. And that's not looking at customers as a transactional thing, obviously, it was looking at customers as, Hey, here's someone who's investing their emotions, again, their time, their resources, their effort, their love, their passion, stuff that is not easy to get back, stuff that is really important to them. And, you know, they, they're investing that at a very human level. So if you look at your customers the exact same way now in business, you start to realize, okay, folks are coming in, the balance of power has shifted to them, right? Because in today's world, look, we're in a brave new world. Your customers, regardless of the industry you're in, 
are going to have access to more competitors than ever before. They're better educated than, than ever before because they can easily read up on you, on your previous history, on how you've treated other people like them in the past, on what, you spe- on what you're specifically great at, right? They know more about the industry as well too and what their options are. And they're talking more amongst each other with all the industry-specific websites or Google reviews or the, you know, the tourism business ad in South America. Well, that was mostly TripAdvisor, right? But the idea here is there are forums now that exist for your customer to interact. And so I think as business owners, we have two options. You can either lean into that relationship or you can shy away from it out of fear because you're like, look, this is weird because I can't control what people are saying about me. I can't control the mushy gushy, right? I can't control the emotions someone might feel. And do I really want to get into the emotional side of business? Because one of the reasons we love about business is business owners, right? Or as any business leader or executive, anyone working in and around business is it's that emotional refuge, right? Business used to be where emotions go to die. It's like, hey, whatever's <laughs> going on in life, this is where I go into. And as soon as I clock in, right, emotions are gone. Business is business. But again, connecting at a human level, human is human. And I think that's just, that's something really interesting. So even if someone like visiting your physical location, it's, well, if someone were visiting me in New York or visiting you wherever in the world you might be on a given day, right, brother? It's, it's okay, what would a guest want in your home? What are they really looking for? Tap into their needs, their desires, their feelings, stuff that they might even be sort of afraid to ask you, but you know they really, really want, right? What's going to put someone over the top? And that's a huge part of business. Because like you said, once you said something really interesting, right? In the question, it was, well, hey, it's a lot easier to make money from a customer you already have, from a customer you already know. Because as you have that deeper level, and that happens, I think, for a bunch of different reasons. Because as you have that, that deeper, let's just call it a relationship, right, with your customer, you understand their needs, you understand their desires, you understand their friends, you understand what is not being met. You understand from what they've already purchased, what add-ons or complimentary goods and services they might be interested in. You understand, again, where they are at in their customer journey and then sort of how they continue to evolve over time. And you also, again, as you build that affinity, folks are much more likely, and you mentioned, I think, word of mouth, right? Folks are way more likely to share something they can trust because once you lose my trust or if I'm kind of on the fence with, with a business or an experience, well, if I share that with a friend, that's my reputation now on the line, right? So I think that's that's a big thing is your, your customers start to see it that way. And then from a branding perspective, when your customer really, really loves who you are and what you stand for and the reason you exist in the world and your purpose and what's driving you forward, what they're saying is, hey, I, I dig this brand. This brand represents what I stand for in life. Right. And, and it's almost like they'll turn their 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 life into a NASCAR jacket. Right. Or a NASCAR mm-hmm. car. And they will sport your logo everywhere because of what it represents. And so this is where it's sort of like whether you like it or not, if you want to reap the benefits of being in a relationship, you got to jump in with with, you know, uh, two feet. You got to jump into the deep end there. So that, that's sort of a long way to sort of start answering your question there. But. Hopefully that, that kind of directs the conversation a bit and gets your gets your listeners your you know hopefully if you're listening in now this this sort of gets your antennas going right and you start thinking okay business is more about the X's and O's it's more about the strategy it's hey how do we really connect at that deeper human level 
and dive into those feelings, but do it again in a capitalistic and not so much a kumbaya way, right? How do we walk that line and, um, you know, bring it back to the good stuff? Yeah, I think this ties in a lot of, um, you know, when people think about like marketing and sales and operations, I guess it's very logical. Like there's tactics, there's books, there's a bunch of different approaches. But at the end of the day, like we're human beings doing business with other humans and we're providing value to them right throughout the entire process to a certain degree. Right. And so, like, you know, to really like pivot the conversation, the customer acquisition now, um, I think that customer experience plays a huge role, like the experience the prospect has plays a huge role. And if they're going to give you money or not, and even, you know, we've talked about the retention, but I think this also plays regards to marketing, right? Like how do people feel like, what are people, you know, experiencing during your processes in the front end? And, um, you know, something that we were talking a little bit offline about was <laughs> the good old fashioned Waffle House strategy. I've been, I've been like obsessed with this over the last week, man. Like, because I was going to be doing short form content personally. And I'm like, oh, I could just do short form content, let the algorithm do its thing, just post volume amount of like clips and everything. And then I'm like, man, and I'm doing ads and all these other things. And I was like, man, like I get to focus on providing a better experience for people, like focus on that. And I'm glad we're having this conversation of like giving value at the water well, right? Like right where the water buffalo are drinking water, right? I don't need to go build a pond in the middle of the desert. I could just go go to the water well and just add more water there where all the water buffaloes are there and just simply provide value, right? And so let me just kind of unpack the Waffle House strategy. And I'm curious to hear about your take about how um, to make like for marketing and like some creative ways for people to create customer experience, okay? So, um, so Waffle House in America, if you are not from America, it's a popular diner chain. It's open 24-7. Usually people are drunk or, you know, it's good diner food. It's amazing. I love it. I'll never forget it, right? I'm never too good to have Waffle House. Um, but they never do any marketing. They don't have any advertisement. They don't do nothing. But what they do is, is they put their Waffle House either usually right next to a Walmart or, and always off of the highway with the big sign. So you, when you walk out of Walmart, so they're hacking Walmart's traffic and the interstates, the government's traffic. So there's already traffic there. All they did was just plop their nice little restaurant there and put a big sign there and attract people in. And then they make it a quick and easy experience, right? Like you walk in, you walk out, you get fed right away. You can see them cooking. Like it's like, that's their brand. And it had me thinking of like, wow, social media isn't about like marketing isn't about dumping your message out into the void and hoping that someone will hear it. You have to go out and put yourself where the traffic is and draw them in, right? If they're hungry for something, they're going to naturally draw in. And then when they're drawn in, you're going to have some type of machinery to churn out something that they want, give them a quick meal in this regard, quick value, and then let them go off their merry way. Now they're baked into their behavior of following you or or being in relationship with you. So in this case, I was like, man, I'm going to be doing this with um, posts. So I have my team right now building out one dude for my team. Like, yo, I need a list of 200 people who serve same customers as me, but do does do something different, right? That's a thought leader or they're producing content because that person probably spent two, five, 10 years building that audience. And um, why not just go add value to his audience by mentioning things in his post that maybe he's talking like contribute to the conversation, essentially, right? Engage with those people. And then those people, people will naturally see who the hell is this person. 
And if you do this over a long period of time, I'm like, man, like they, they, people keep seeing your name over and over and over again. They're going to eventually like feel like they know you. Right. So I don't know, super long winded, but I wanted to, 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 to drop that game because I think it's pretty clever. And it's something that's actionable that anyone can do like today. Like literally you can start today in six months, probably see results if you stay consistent with it. Right. So I guess what's your thoughts on that strategy? And like, do you have any like, I guess, spend different idea ideas or you want to add to it? Like, I'm just curious. Oh, man, I love it. I love, 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 love it. Right. Because it's it's saying, look, if you can t- first things first, like let's unpack that. So if you look that from the Walmart perspective, right, and or from the Walmart angle and you say, OK, we're Waffle House. We could set up anywhere, but if we know traffic is already congregating, folks are already hungry after shopping, right? We know that this is our, not just folks already congregating, it's our target customer, right? We're at a very similar sort of price point. We appeal to a very similar demographic. That's what we're going for. That Walmart customer is our customer. Walmart's already spending how much money to bring them in, right? Okay, well, this is perfect. And it's Walmart's also going to get them hungry after how long you're shopping in there. And some of these Walmarts, you'd work up an appetite because they're huge, right? You're walking back and forth. They're, they're massive. Coming from New York City, when I first saw Super Walmarts, it blew me away. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is cool. Uh, actually, random point here. When I came back to the U.S., I flew in via Florida. The very first meal I had, I think it was like 10 days or two weeks ago, was Waffle House, right? Real late <laughs> at night. And it was, and I'm not even making this up. I'm not even making this up. I had a friend who was in town for another conference. We were both in Orlando and, and legit. He's like, hey, let's just, let's go, let's go grab dinner somewhere, right? It's past midnight at this point. Who's open? Waffle House, man. And, and that, that's what it was. They get something we don't have in New York. So I'm like, I'm totally down. Like, let's go. I missed America. And, <laughs> and for sure, man, that, that's Waffle House. But the idea there, and it was right off a of highway to your point. I'm sure there's a Walmart in the backyard, right? And okay, getting back to the point here is, from that perspective, if you can gain visibility to your key customer segments because someone else is doing the heavy lifting, why wouldn't you? Right? Why try and manufacture demand and pray and hope and, and sort of just in a way really dream of, of folks finding you right in that middle of the desert or in the middle of a really, really crowded you know, city where everything looks the same until people really get to know you. But if you can tap into Walmart even better, and I think in the beginning, and this is from like, kind of like a visibility perspective, right? But but bear with me because I got an idea. It's like the way I'm viewing this now is if I'm on the outskirts of Walmart, Walmart might consider me a pest at first, right? And Walmart's like, hey, who's this person leeching off of me? I'm Walmart. It took me years to get to this point. I'm respe- well respected, right? And and. I don't like anyone sort of leeching off of me. And then you realize, well, hang on a second. This could be a symbiotic relationship, right? This could be a win-win because sometimes people are going to come in hungry and then want to go shopping, right? Sometimes people are going to want to knock out two things because maybe mom and dad want to go shopping, but the kids are hungry. How do we get everyone out of the house? Okay, cool. And Walmart, at least as far as I know, isn't going to have restaurants inside, right? They've got food for you to eat outside, but they're not rocking restaurants in there. This ain't Costco. So the idea here now is Walmart says to say, okay, these guys are bringing in the same customer group, right? They're tying us all together. They don't compete with us directly or really indirectly. It's not like I'm in a Waffle House or Walmart. And, and it's a big one. They help people sort of come to the area, stick around there and have a better overall experience 
because maybe they're not starving. So if you have Waffle House first, well, all of a sudden when you go into shop, you're not thinking, man, I'm hungry, I'm starving, all this other stuff, right? I just got to get in and get out and I got to go get food and grab Whataburger on the way home or something. So this becomes really neat then because when you think about it from that visibility perspective, in the beginning, you might be just like a, an annoying gnat to Walmart on the outside. But as Walmart gains transparency into what you're doing, as you say good things, as Walmart hears their customers say really good things about Waffle House and the experience there, they start going, oh, okay. So this random gnat on the outskirts who's hanging around and stealing, you know, stealing my customers maybe isn't stealing them. Maybe they're contributing something to the overall experience. Digitally, that's the conversation. That's the comments you leave behind. That's collaborations you do. It's bringing people into the space. Is driving traffic to Walmart digitally, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, you start saying, okay, cool. So visibility, yeah, we can not only sort of help each other out, but we can work together. We can collaborate. And that becomes really neat because if you're just kickstarting a new initiative, but you know you're good and your customers know you're good and your audience, especially digitally, feels like you're good and they like hanging out with you and your traffic then leads to Walmart, right? Which is say um, a big niche neighbor, if you will, in your online space. Well, all of a sudden, someone who's been around, someone who has brand clout and authority and and uh, importance, right, can collaborate with you, can say, you know what, we can do deals together, we can go live together, we can stream together, we can even publish you on our website and give you those crazy backlinks your website's craving, right? So at so many different levels, your Waffle House strategy now really starts to make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's a win definitely for the person because you're feeding the algorithm of engaging. So the more engaging their post is, the more people that they will get more visibility to. And they also get visibility to your audience as well. So I think it's definitely a win-win for everyone. As long as you're giving value and obviously not spam bombing people, right? I think that I'm anti-spam, right? In all regards, DMs, code emails, I think personalization and um, intentional will get more results, right? Being more of a sniper than a, I guess, a foot soldier that's storming the beaches of D-Day. No offense to, no no respect, disrespect to all the, the guys who survived that day. But, you know, you don't just want to throw bodies at, at um, you know, prospects. You want to really just be very, 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 very strategic. But, um, yeah, man, this is interesting. So I got to ask you this, man. So, like, what are you working on, like, you, you know, you had this business in, in Peru, you've been traveling the world, you know, you now you're back in New York right now. Like, I guess, like, what are you currently working on now? Like, what's, what's your current project? Um, and then I got some more fun questions to ask you, man. All right, sweet. So my whole thing is human connection, right? That's that's what gets me going. It's it's what I learned around the world. It's what I put to test in Peru. That's That's my jive, right? That's my favorite thing. And what I love about human connection is you can apply it in a lot of different ways. My current project is looking at how human connection can be applied in the business world. So essentially, you know, the fancy word for this is is really customer-centric business strategy, right? Or customer-centric growth strategy. Because what we're really trying to do here is grow businesses. And, and folks I love working with are people who sometimes just started a project out of passion, started a business because it's what they loved or what they were good at, but with no real growth roadmap, right? And in today's economic climate, in today's competitive climate, how can you stand out in a really cost-effective way, in a way that's just smart and helps you stand out, right? How can you stand out in a way that, that helps you grow revenue 
and strengthen your brand just by leveraging two key things. And, and these, these for me are really big when it comes to any experience that you offer, whether it's an audience, a customer, a loved one, anyone. The very first thing here is going to be consideration. Can you consider where someone's coming from? That's their needs, their desires, their customer journey. It's where they initially started from, right? It's what stage of the journey they're at now, what stage you're gonna enter. It's understanding how to weave all that into a story so that your marketing lands and gets past their BS filter. Because like you said, nobody wants spam these days, right? Whatever, but now people really, really have spam filters up <laughs> and in a very literal sense and, and in every sense. So from that perspective, I think that consideration is huge because it's showing your customer, hey, I care about you. I care about what this means for you. I care about what solving your problem enables you to do, right? And I care about how all this makes you feel. Like I'm with you. I'm your ride or die. So out of all your your people out there, right, this is this is how I'm your person. And I think then the second part about that is you can be someone's person, but if the fit ain't right, and if the products you offer up aren't of the highest quality, then you know sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's where the second thing is. So we already talked about consideration. From the second one here is creativity. So how can you now use this consideration to solve their needs and fulfill their deeper desires in a really creative way? Like how do you bring in inspiration from all different elements of life and use that now to really connect with your customers? So the project I'm working on is I'm wrapping up a course right now. We're actually putting the final touches on the editing. So that'll be live in about two weeks here. And or it'll be live by, well, let's just say mid-February, which is awesome. And that's been years in the making. That one I'm feeling really, really excited about. And I'm also starting to create more content. So for the last several years, I've been focused very inwards. And I know these days everyone is like just post and post and post and post and just get out there. And, and I get that. But I think you have to have something to get out there. I think you want to stand out and be consistent. I think if you're going to hang around those Walmarts, I can jump back to Waffle House, you got to have value to provide. And if the way I look at it is simple isn't easy. So there's a bomb for you, man. Simple ain't easy. And I think I think you can have having knowledge and having experience is one thing. Being able to transmit that in a way that's coherent and easy to understand and step by step in a blueprint and a you know a simple way to pick up, that takes years. So after finally years of working on that sort of internal side of things, I'm now at a point where I can go, okay, this year is full speed ahead. Let's get the content out there. Hopefully establish myself as an authority figure in this space because just what I love, man, and, and really help businesses grow. That's that's the that's the project I'm working on, and that's where my head's at 24-7 these days. Boom. Simple ain't easy. Man, that landed, man. That 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 landed. And it's like when you find that sim simplicity, you're like, whoo! Ah, that felt good. Right? Like you're yeah. just like, oh, Eureka, the aha moments, right? Um, Dude, you're in, you're in the yeah. king of simple ain't easy right now. So if you look at Southeast Asia, everything seems so simple and straightforward. But then behind it, there's hundreds and thousands of years of tradition, right? And it's like, oh, that this is why tea is poured a certain way. It looks beautiful when you see tea poured in a very specific way, when you see rice served in a very specific way. But getting to that point took how many years of trial and error and, and tribulations and you know, obstacles and hurdles. And I think, I think that's, what's really fun is building in that, that, that backstory. Yeah. That's so sick. All right, man, I got to ask you this, bro. Cause selfishly I love traveling and I love these pods because you get, you get some good bombs about their expertise, but 
I selfishly love to travel, bro. I got a, had a few wires hit the account, so I'm looking at Skyscanner right now. So I gotta ask you this, man. I gotta ask you this. What what are your three favorite places? I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the pod, but like, what's been your three most like take your breath away moments of your travels in the last few years? Wow. Okay. Last two years. So if we we take around that that big trip I mentioned before, um, last couple of years, I'm gonna kind of think this through as as we do it. Well, the first place for me is real simple and straightforward because I think it's the parallel universe and it's India. And and traveling in India is not fun. It's not vacation. And, and I think that's really important to understand. Traveling in, in India is, is a mind-blowing experience if you really immerse yourself into the country. So if your goal is to adventure, if your goal is to feel again, if your goal, and I say feel in, in a very real way, because oftentimes, especially in business, right, we can go numb to stuff. And if your goal is to say, hey, man, I just need to feel, I need inspiration, I need a jolt, I need to test myself, I need to figure out who I am in a lot of different situations and just understand the full perspective of humanity again and just grab, again, inspiration, creativity and everything. There is nowhere in the world like Indian. I don't say that because I'm Indian because, again, I grew up in New York and Connecticut. But there's nowhere in the world on the planet that comes even close to India from that perspective. Because India is an assault on all five of your senses simultaneously, 24-7, and it's relentless. It doesn't matter how long you're there for, it never goes away. So what you see at any given moment will be the best thing you've ever seen in your life and the worst, right? You might see literally the most expensive home ever built which is, I think, like a, something crazy over a billion dollars and insane for, for like a small family, but it's like this huge tower and then abject poverty right next to it, right? Next to cows roaming the street, next to the most incredible stuff. It's it's insane. But it's not just what you're seeing at, at both extremes. It's that couple of what you're smelling, right? What you're hearing, what you're touching, what touches you um, with, you know, everything all around you, what you're tasting and everything, whether it's, you know, the air, the food, the spices, the, the aromas, and how all these senses come together and make you feel alive. And it tests you, right? So in the very beginning, you the it's just it's just human instinct. You put up a wall and you go, okay, I'm gonna protect myself. I'm gonna make myself feel comfortable. It, I am so far comfort zone. This is this is like this is completely out of anyone's comfort zone. And if anyone's saying they got to India and felt comfortable right off the bat, they're they're just lying to you. <laughs> and, and, and and that's how you can tell, right? Because because it's not. And we all talk about as a traveler, oh, I'm comfortable in chaos. Yeah, but not in a parallel universe. So so again, that's where India is incredible. So for me, India wins, bar like a bar none. That that is place number one. My my second one, and this one doesn't work out for you as much, but it does for your listeners, is Vietnam, because. You know, it's a country you already know so well. And and so that what I love about Vietnam is that's one of the few places on Earth where I always say the American dream didn't die. It just packed up and moved to Vietnam. Right. Because everyone there is enterprising. You get inspired more as an entrepreneur in Vietnam than I think you do anywhere else on the planet. Everyone. I mean, I remember being in, in Ho Chi Minh City, right in Saigon in the south. And, and folks would just come up to you on motorcycles and every every rush hour, every single motorcyclist is a taxi driver. Like you don't need Uber or any of that. It's it's like old grandmothers coming up to you and it's like, hello, moto with like broken English. And then I came back 10 years later and it's the same thing, but they really polished their English. They worked on it because they 
know what's good for business, right? The growth there is palpable. It's tangible. It's addictive. It's inspirational. It's incredible to be a part of and to really feel that movement. So those two places are incredible. And the third one, well, I'm going to pay kudos to a country I just spent six months at, and it's Mexico. Man, Mexico, especially coming from an American perspective, and this is an American who's traveled and has Mexican friends and studied on a border state in Texas, right? Or studied on the border, right, in uh, in Texas. Mexico was so different for me in reality from what my expectations were. And I think, you know, I, I say that almost in a shamed way because it's, it's, it's our neighbor. How could I not know more about it? But for me, for whatever reason, Mexico was... It's, it's basically, it's large, you know, um, swathes of desert. So it's, it's massive, you know, stretches of desert and then Cancun and, and beach resorts in paradise. And that, that for me was Mexico. And I just spent two weeks, you know, while I was down there, I'd spent two weeks really just, uh, taking a road trip through the country. That was incredible, man. I mean, beautiful highways. I felt safe the whole time, but what I loved about it was each region was so different the food in each region, the people in each region, the landscape in each region. It's desert, but it's different types of desert. It's mountains with forests of pine trees. And I'm talking multiple forests in different parts of the country full of pine trees. And I'm like, okay, am I in Mexico or Minnesota? What's (laughs) going on here, right? And that was really cool. And again, the thing with Mexico is just the warmth of the people, man. It's everyone's so warm. The food is so good. People genuinely care. It makes you feel really good again. And from a digital nomad perspective, the reason I love it is, especially in Mexico City, the nomads you connect with aren't lost. They're very focused. Their their focus is razor sharp on getting a project off the ground. The folks have come out and said, hey, I'm here for one very specific reason, right? I'm here because I'm trying to get a project off the ground. I'm trying to get my business going. I'm trying to dial in and get away from from the distractions I have back home. So every single nomad you meet while in Mexico City is razor sharp, is focused, embraces culture, is there to share, is there to help you grow, and doesn't pose a distraction. Man, that felt really, really good for just leveling up. So uh, those are my three countries for you, man. Uh, Two that I, I know you've been to, not sure that you've been to India. But India, Vietnam, and Mexico, from countries I've been to recently, yeah, those three top the list, man. And and there's an there's it's really easy to spend a year just between the three of them. Yeah, I um I, I was looking at Mexico, not Mexico. I was looking at Mexico too, actually, for the winter, and I decided to stay in Bangkok. Um, but Mexico City, um, Puerto Escondido, and the Tulum, like. There's so many different options and you can always just like have a base and still, you know, fly around because it's super cheap, like Asia, right? Just jump on a plane for 50 bucks and, and, uh, visit a, visit a region. Um, but yeah, man, I think this is a sign about India because you're the fourth person that brought up India in the last four weeks. I met an Indian actually on the plane, uh, to Phuket because I went to Phuket to do a, re- a recording with Riley and, uh, he was just like, yeah, man, you got to come, bro. He gave me all these, like, he's, he's like, gave me all these places I should go and, um, but I've heard that if you go to India, like you said, like you, you mentally have to prepare. So I got to ask you this follow up question. Like, you know what I'm doing within the business, right? Like I'm building, like, it's probably not a smart idea if I'm in the midst of like chaos, like of, of doing things in business to probably, I should probably wait to like near an exit. I'm guessing this to immerse yourself for a few months. I'm guessing, right? Like you shouldn't yeah, do the, it the, active, with an active the, business, you think, right? 
this is my perspective, right? And I say this knowing full well that not everyone can do this with where they're at in life and business at work. But India deserves months. And, and the reason India deserves months is because it's incredibly different to anywhere you've been. And it challenges you. So it's not a great place to get work done. Um, it's probably a pretty, it's probably one of the worst places in the world to get work done. Okay. So if you're in the That's middle uh, and flat out, man, I, I don't think a worse place exists to get work done. Because if what you're trying to do is focus and to connect with like-minded people and to always have secure internet and, you know, simple things. If your goal is to continue what you're already doing, India ain't the place. India is the best place for you to go to when you are between phases and you can afford to take off, say, two or three months. Uh, three months is perfect for me. Four is already like, you're like, okay, get me out of here. I love it, but I'm done. <laughs> uh, there, there are no cells left to fry. Like every, every ounce of me has just been, has been Indian, right? And I love it, but there's nothing left to give. So for me personally, I think three months is really the right amount, whether you spend it across the country or in any one specific region. Three months for me is really the way to go. But go when you're between stages because it is a terrible place to get work done or to get work done and, and continue where you're already going into you building upon what you already have because it's going to be a huge jolt to your system in every single way, right? And then that makes it really hard to, to build while you're there, but it's a great place between phases. So if you ever plateau, if you were to ever level off, if you ever need inspiration from life at a level you've never seen before, yeah, that, that, if, that's India. If you want to go test yourself, that's India. Got it. Okay. All right. Cool. Because in my mind, I'm like, hmm, can I stop there for a few weeks? Hang out? Can I, you know, but it sounds like, yeah, I'll just put that in my back pocket for, um, like you said, transition when I start a new venture, which I want to do eventually, right? Like yeah. the game and, of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And you're in the best place in the world. At least Bangkok for me is the best place in the world to get more stuff done. Because you have great internet, you have great people, you have great food, you have limited distractions if you don't really want to dive into them. But if you ever need that distraction, you have every distraction known to mankind yeah. in Bangkok. Yeah, right? That try. city, for me, Bangkok might be my f favorite city. It's, it's, it's really it's – a, it's a toss-up, man. Uh, I think between there and New York. But, but Bangkok is so intense. And, man, I, 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 I spent about seven months in Bangkok and I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, you know, of course, avoid Cal Center Road. If everyone's like, ah, I'm not a fan of Bangkok. Okay, you stayed in Cal Center Road. I get that. <laughs> but but that's it. that city, that country, everything it embodies is is just so magical, man. I'm a huge fan, especially in the winter. Yeah, yeah, it's good right now. All right, one last question and we'll wrap up. All right, so you've been in all these places. What are three places that are on your mind that you want to go to that's like on your book, that's left on your bucket list or your top three, like, Places you haven't been to yet, but you really want to go to and see and experience. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Mongolia. Right. Number one for me is absolutely Mongolia, man. It's it's a place that has a different landscape to it. I've seen different type of people, different way of living. It's a lot of the nomadic stuff. I'd love to go during Nadam, which is the sort of nomadic Olympics, right? With like wrestling and all sorts of crazy stuff. And like the, the archery and the horse bow and, and, and all that sort of, you know, crazy stuff. So... For me, Mongolia just represents wilderness in, in the truest sense. And I'm really, really, you know, really jumping into that in a big way. The second one is right here in the U.S. And it's going to be Yellowstone. And, and you mentioned winter. So this is exact opposite of Bangkok. But 
uh, this is jumping back to what you had earlier with the water buffalo. I'm obsessed with bison, man. I just I think bison are cool. <laughs> I it got in, I got into it because I'm a big fan of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I'm obsessed with bison, and every winter I see one image that just calls to me, and it's like a bison trudging through snow with with a beard just full of snow and ice <laughs> hanging off of it. And there's something about that image that every single year gets me going, man. And I always, I've never been there. I've been to a couple of national parks, but I think that would be really cool. And so those are two. And, and the third place that really calls to me, it's a journey more than a place. But in the same way I told you, India is a great place sort of between, between stuff, right? Um, so the first two I gave you, Mongolia is a fairly quick trip, I think. And, you know, we're talking about Yellowstone. That's a very, very quick trip. But a long trip for me is I would love to cross Africa. That for me is is still a very raw place for me personally. I mean, my mom's from Kenya. I've spent time in Egypt and South Africa, but the real heart of Africa, whether it's safari, whether it's you know West Africa and the amazing culture and cuisine there, whether it's East Africa and getting to know you know Kenya and, and my mom's roots in a, in a big way, that would be really cool. So that that for me is the big unknown, and it represents a sense of adventure for me that that I just don't have. So. So those are three countries that, that for me personally are, are up next and, and where I would love to check out if I had the time. Boom. Love it, man. Such a diverse pilot of experiences. So cool, man. Well, sweet, man. So what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they're interested in, in, in learning more about you, following you, things like that? Cool. Well, if it's a direct thing, email me anytime. It's, it's real simple. It's my name, Vinay, V-I-N-A-Y, at growthwallet.com. That's my business. So growth is pretty straightforward. And then it's W-A-L-L-A-H.com. And if you're looking to get more of that content that I'm starting to share with the world and get out there, hey, jump onto social media. I'm on all the major platforms as The Vinay Ravel. And we put the the there not to be pretentious, but down the road, there'll be Spanish and there'll be El Vinay Raval. So anyways, um, The, T-H-E, V-I-N-A-Y-R-A-V-A-L. And the best way to reach me, honestly, is LinkedIn. Because I'll get back to you real quick, and, and I'm so excited to connect with you, to brainstorm with you, to wrap with you. If you're a business owner, and you know you've been listening to this podcast, you're you're, you're you know enjoying this conversation, and you want to have one of your own, just hit me up. There's always time to connect and brainstorm, and to figure out how you can better connect with your customers at that human level, and again, use that to grow your business, man. Um, I'm I'm all ears. I love rapping about any of that stuff anytime. So please, 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 if you enjoyed this, reach out to me. If you have questions, reach out to me. And yeah, that would be awesome, man. And again, thank you so much for, for bringing me on the show and, and for everyone for tuning in with their, with their time. I, I really appreciate you in, in a huge way, man. Boom. Guys, links will be in the show notes. And man, this was fun. I appreciate you for coming. And uh, thank you, audience. You've made it to the end yeah. of the show. You just gave us your most precious resource on the planet, which is your time. And we're so grateful that you got to hang out around the campfire as we talked about customer experience and travel and all the good stuff. So we'll see you at the next campfire. Bye-bye. <laughs>